welcome to episode one of my podcast, A Bunch of Stuff I Wrote. Today I'm going to be giving you guys a preview of one of the books I've been working on, because I've been working on quite a lot. I'm going to be making a collection of books. It is called Seeing in the Dark. And although that sounds very hopeful, it's just a bit weird. But I hope you like it, because this is literally just a bunch of stuff I wrote. This is my first draft of Seeing in the Dark by me, Volley Lewis Cleveley. So I've got my contents page, and now part one, Into the Distance. Chapter one, Into the Distance. Howard closed his eyes and then opened them again, and to his disappointment, he was asleep. Caught by the tunnel again, he thought, sighing as he gazed into the pathway of darkness. He pressed a button on his utility belt and began to curiously analyse his sleep patterns on the television. What abstract behaviour, thought Donald, as he watched from the distance he thought was safe. However, it was not, and he would soon see why. For behind Donald was something rather strange. Indistinguishable in the dim light, the thing waited for the moment to arrive, the moment in which he would gain the ability to see in the dark, as the folks from the old people's home called it. The thing had been waiting patiently for the past few hours and had gone unnoticed by almost all dreamers for the entire time. The world stood still in the tunnel, the bridge between reality and fantasy. The dreamers sitting still and meditating or participating in some other absurd activities. Or perhaps, like our mysterious fellow, the thing, searching for the way out. Howard would soon awake, unaware of the peculiar events that had been occurring behind his back, and leave his house to live his life, unaware of the hidden horrors of his world. Whereas the thing would never leave and spend his whole life searching and never finding, or would he? Twelve years earlier, Downing Street, London. A well-suited group of men and women bunched into a small crowd on the pavement, leading to the entrance of the building. Distant from the rush, a tall figure in a black suit with a top hat watched with interest, next to a short character with a dark blue hoodie. They always looked downward, as if they were admiring the paved ground, so they were never seen. After about five minutes, the chaos seemed to fade away, and the sound of silence filled the atmosphere with an absurd feeling of emptiness. The two never spoke a word and just nodded. They slowly walked forward and stopped suddenly when they reached the door. A click, and the sound of cogs turning followed, and they began their descent into the deeper, unknown floors of the building. After a long journey downwards, the door slid open in the middle of a lecture. I've heard these people aren't normal, so be polite and stay calm. But the Prime Minister was interrupted, not by someone, but by his own sheer terror. The figure went to take his hat off his head. The only problem was, he hadn't a head to take it off of. Present day. After a nine-hour wait, the thing was tired of waiting. Frustrated, he punched a button on his utility belt and faded away, just as did the world around him. 
The thing was not used to waking or being awake, and as a result of this, stared at his surroundings like a child opening a present, although there was no present, only the present, in which he was not a child. The thing, now easily to be observed as a man in a suit, was dragged himself from the comfort of his bed and into the almost new, strange and uncomfortable world. Groaning, he rose from the floor like a toddler just beginning to learn how to walk. Suddenly, he felt as though the life inside of him had returned. He felt a strong sense of anger. Anger because he had been lied to. Anger because he had believed a lie. And anger because he had wasted a whole week sleeping. He felt the urge to kick down the door, drive recklessly down the road and seek revenge on his colleagues and betrayers. But he didn't because he shouldn't. And most of all, because he couldn't. So, now I'm going to read the second chapter, which is called You Are Under House Arrest. I hope you enjoyed the first, and now I must begin. Chapter 2. You're Under House Arrest. The man, known as Anthony Oller, was now under house arrest. Whilst he was asleep, the authorities had blocked his windows shut, locked his door, and placed a tracker on his left foot. Groaning, he dragged himself out of his bed and the stairs. Suddenly, a shockwave of fear surged through his body. A small click. It was indeed a very small click, but small enough to refuel this lonely man's heart with paranoia. The minute signal was soon after followed by a metallic voice. You have been placed under house arrest by the Minel team. For violation of sleep priorities, being the voice, obviously recorded. Anthony groaned and stirred the energy to let out in his grumbling voice. Shut up. However, the machine took no notice of the man's irritation and continued to babble on about the brilliance of the minor team and its superiority to humanity. Please leave a review of our service after the tone. Cursing under his breath, Anthony awaited the tone and got together the courage to scream at the top of his lungs. Your service is a load of rubbish! Suddenly, his anger was interrupted by a deep voice, disguised by a machine. I know what you're up to. It growled as it spoke the very words, as if it agitated itself, saying the words. Stay out of it! Anthony continued to mumble under his breath as he stomped out of the kitchen. Apprehensive of another recording, he took a quick, anxious glance behind him and proceeded to take out a small, damaged audio recording machine. He clicked two buttons and began to speak into it. No one has yet managed to discover who the messages were for, for the files were encrypted. Only a lucky few have been given access to what was truly recorded into that small, dilapidated machine. This is day 52 of House Arrest. I've been stuck listening to the same recorded message every morning. Until today. I woke up and after I'd finished my daily ranting into the abyss that is the review system, I heard a voice. 
the voice of someone but my own. As you can tell, I've missed normal conversations, but what I heard sent chills down my spine. They're on to me. They know what I'm doing, and what I'm afraid of the most, I think they know what you're doing. I don't care if they find me. I don't care if they beat me and yell at me in interrogations whilst I'm in captivity. I want you to be safe. If I don't talk to you tomorrow, I'll either be dead or imprisoned. I don't want you to save me. I don't want you to look for me. I want you to run. I want you to run as far away as possible until we can't run no more. This was your old pal, Anthony Oller. That was the last time anyone we know ever heard from Antony before the siege. All that anyone knows is that after he recorded that message, Antony went upstairs to sleep and was found missing two years later. Now, um, that was the end of chapter two, and I hope you enjoyed this part, this episode of A Bunch of Stuff I Wrote. Thank you for listening.